Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen wa salatu wa salam ala nabihi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh And welcome to another episode of Islamica where we're here to try and answer any questions that you may have to the best of our abilities bi'ithnillah ta'ala What is istikhara and how do I pray it? Yeah, good question So istikhara um, is a prayer uh, that we do and the hadith is collected in Sahih Bukhari the hadith is narrated by Jabir ibn Abdullah where he said that the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam used to teach us the istikhara prayer for the biggest of matters and also for the smallest of matters meaning that we used to do it all the time for any decision or anything that would happen in our daily life now how do you pray istikhara istikhara is two rakahs that you pray and after you finish the prayer, then there is a du'a that you would read. Allahumma inni astakhiraka bi'almika. So there's, um, there's a du'a. There's only one du'a. If you, if you don't know it, then you can find it online in, in, uh, in many books, for example. Uh, there's only one istikhara prayer. You can't go wrong. So you recite that uh, du'a. Uh, and there's a, a part within that du'a where you can ask for um, Allah's guidance for the particular issue that you are facing at that moment in time. And if it is good, then Allah will guide you to it. And if it is bad, then Allah will guide you away from it so it's not uh, as is commonly misunderstood that uh, you will see a dream or, or, or something along those lines that's not how it works I'll give you an example let's say um, somebody has uh, a job promotion opportunity so they pray istikhara um, so they want Allah's guidance as to whether they should take the job opportunity or whether they should not take it and once you've done that, then you uh, seek your or, or tie your camel, as the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu said, which means that you speak to those close to you, 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 you um, investigate whether it's good for you, do all that you can that's within your power. So maybe, for example, you'll speak to somebody who works in that company and that person would say, yes, it's a great company, it's a great job, you should definitely go for it. So that in and of itself is an example of a sign of your istikhara, that you're now being guided towards that. You may have the opposite. You may somebody say, have somebody that says, you know, no, it's, it's um, not a good company, it's something you should be aware of. And again, that's a potential sign of your istikhara, meaning you're being directed away from it. So um, that's essentially how istikhara would work. Now, uh, you may not always um, have an inclination straight away, and that's not a problem. You can repeat the istikhara prayer again. Um, there's no specific time limit as such, and you can repeat it again if you need to. Um, but that's essentially how you would do. The key point is that istikhara is a means of putting your trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's part of our tawakkul, part of placing our trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that he will guide us to what is good for us and guide us away from what is bad for us. So essentially, that's how you would pray uh, istikhara. I hope that's clear, bithnillah ta'ala. Okay, uh, we have some WhatsApp uh, questions coming through. Um, Assalamu alaikum wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. I've been trying to wake up for tahajjud, but it's proving very difficult. It's a fight between me and shaitan. Yes, um, so there used to be some of the scholars of the past, some of the salaf, they used to say that uh, I used to get up for tahajjud, but certain times I noticed that certain days I couldn't get up. And they said that they were able to trace this back to sins or mistakes that they had made on that day. So imagine that the sins that we commit, they have an effect on us. We know the Prophet Muhammad wasallam. he said in a hadith which is collected in Sahih Bukhari, every time we commit a sin, nuktatun soda, a black dot is placed on our hearts. 
And all of these things, they prevent the light of Iman, the light of the Qur'an from entering into our hearts. So it's very important that if we are having difficulty, for example, getting up in the morning for salah or tahajjud or doing certain acts, that we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for forgiveness because it could be sins that we have committed that are preventing the light of the Iman, the light of those good deeds, the light of the Qur'an from entering to our hearts. So that's the first thing that I would say, um, you know, really important to, to remember that. Uh, the second thing, of course, is, um, you know, take your precautions if you want to go to bed earlier, set alarms, for example, um, and inshallah, you know, that will also help. But, the you know, the first thing, very important, keep asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for forgiveness for any sins that we have committed that may be affecting our ibadah. Okay. Um, the next question uh, we had, Sheikh, you just talked about istikhara. I don't know Arabic language, but I can read istikhara dua in my language. Yeah, so the istikhara dua, it's uh, specifically in, in, in Arabic, if you like. Um, if you don't know Arabic, then read the transliteration. So the transliteration um, in, in, in whatever language it is that you speak, even if it's in English, for example, um, is fairly simple and you should be able to, inshallah, um, uh, follow that. Uh, and that would be uh, a, a lot better, bithnillah uh, ta'ala. The next question we have is, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Shaykh wa alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. I have two questions. Um, number one, I can hear my next door neighbor's adhan clock, but this is different to my local masjid timetable. Which one should I follow? Okay, uh, good question. So um, the answer is uh, you should follow your local masjid timetable. I mean, the adhan clock could be wrong. The time could be set wrong, for example. Um, so uh, I wouldn't worry about your neighbor's uh, adhan clock because you can't tell what time it is because you're not in their house. You can't see the clock. So um, follow your local masjid's timetable. Um, inshallah, then you will have no issues. ta'ala. The next question following on from that. Um, if nobody is at home, should we keep the adhan clock on? It is a call to pray, but nobody is there. Um, yes, yeah, so there's no harm with keeping it on if you want, or if you want to switch it off again, no, no particular issue. Uh, it's not going to affect anything going on inside your house. Uh, because it's a recorded adhan on a clock, you don't need to recite after it. So normally, we know the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said in the hadith which is collected in Sahih Bukhari and Sahih Muslim, uh, If you hear the mu'adhin, that you should repeat after the mu'adhin. Uh, so when, for example, the adhan is going and we see, we hear Allahu Akbar, uh, Allahu Akbar in the masjid, then you repeat Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. But because this is a recorded adhan in your clock, uh, in your house, uh, you do not need to repeat after it. So um, there's no issue if you want to switch it off or if you want to keep it on, uh, whichever is easier for yourself. Um Assalamu alaikum uh, wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. May Allah reward you, may Allah reward us all and accept all of our deeds. Amin. Um, how to pray salah whilst traveling on a train if no standing area and or if standing is difficult due to the motion of the moving train? Uh, yeah, excellent question in terms of um, traveling on a train. Uh, if there's no space to stand up because of the, the particularly because of the motion of a train as well, um, then what should one do? So, um, there, there are a couple of ways in which you could get around it. One of the easiest ways is that if you know you're going to be traveling, let's say, for an hour on a train, um, then what you could do is if it's during the day, you could combine your dhuhr and asr before you get on the train. Or alternatively, uh, you could combine your dhuhr and asr uh, maybe uh, when you arrive at the end of your train journey. Or if it's at the evening, the same, you could combine between Maghrib and Isha either at Maghrib time 
or at Isha time. Uh, that that will probably be the best solution, um, and that way, um, you know, because you're traveling, and again, it depends how far you're traveling as well. Um, but that would uh, then enable you to pray, um, and then you wouldn't have to worry in terms of the motion uh, of the train. So that's one way, inshallah, of being able to uh, ensure that you do pray, and getting around this particular issue um, of of not being able to uh, to stand and so on. Um, the other option is that you could pray uh, sitting down. So the way you do that is you would face the Qibla, you start facing the Qibla, say Allahu Akbar, and then you would start praying in whatever, whichever way the train goes, then that's fine, you continue praying. Um, that's the second option as well, and that would mean that you'd be sitting down whilst you're praying. Uh, again, both the options are, are, are fine, there's flexibility in this particular issue. Um, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. This is Najim from Nigeria. Welcome, Najim. Uh, can we marry a Christian who is not ready to convert to Islam? So we know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has uh, mentioned in Surah Ma'idah uh, that Muslim males, they are permitted to marry uh, a person who is from the people of the book, meaning that of the Jewish faith or the Christian faith. So for a Muslim male, it is permitted to marry somebody of the Jewish faith or the Christian faith. They do not need to convert and become Muslim. Uh, this is very important to know, specific to a Muslim male. It is not the same for a Muslim female. A Muslim female is only allowed to marry Islamically a Muslim male. There is no exception uh, that's mentioned in the Quran as it is mentioned uh, as there is an exception for Muslim uh, males. This is specific for Muslim males. Uh, so there's no difference of opinion amongst the scholars that uh, a Muslim female would not be able to marry a non-Muslim male uh, in Islam. Okay. Um, the next question we have. Assalamu alaikum wa alaikum salam wa barakatuh. Can I make my own dua if I move to a new home or do I need an imam to bless the house? Okay. We'll answer it in one moment because we have a caller. We'll take the caller first. Assalamu alaikum. Walaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Just have a quick question. So when you have a diabetic person and they have to check their blood sugar, they have to do like a pinprick and you yes. have to draw a drop of blood for it on the strip. That's Does right. that break, break the wudu? Okay, we'll answer that inshallah. Good question. Jazakallah khair. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so it's a good question in terms of whether that would break um, wudu. Generally speaking, what I normally advise is um, because it's a, it's, it's, it's a tiny prick um, and something that you may have to do repeatedly, there are two views here. One view is because the blood would essentially flow out that you would need to then repeat your wudu. The second view is that no, it's a tiny amount um, and it would be overlooked so you would not need to repeat your wudu. If you're able to, it's safer because that way you stay out of the difference of opinion. Uh, generally what I advise is that if it's something that you're having to do regularly um, and it's going to be difficult for you to repeat your wudu, then you could go with that first view, that inshallah it does not break your wudu. But it's just something to be aware of that there are other scholars that would mention that you would need to repeat your uh, wudu after um, having the finger prick to check your uh, sugar levels. So just something to be aware of, but inshallah it will be uh, fine for you to keep your wudu. Okay. Okay. Um, the next question we have here, yes, yeah, so uh, the question uh, I was reading out before. Um, Assalamu alaikum, Sheikh. Can I make my own dua if I move into a new home or do I need an imam to bless the house? 
Yeah, good question. So with regards to this, you do not need an imam or a sheikh or anybody to bless your house. Um, the blessing of your house comes from the Qur'an. And you can recite the Qur'an yourself. In fact, we know that the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, he mentioned a hadith which is collected in Sahih al-Bukhari that whoever recites Surah Baqarah in their house, that shaitan runs away from it. So if you have a new house and you want to you know, make sure that you are inshallah free from evil eye, from hasad, from jealousy and so on, uh, and you want to protect your house, then recite Surah Baqarah uh, inside your house. Now Surah Baqarah of course is fairly lengthy, it's the length, longest surah in the Quran, is two and a half Jews approximately. Um, and for somebody who maybe who doesn't know Arabic as well, then it can be a little bit difficult in terms of taking time to recite it. So you do not need to recite it all at once. You can take your time, you can recite little bit by little bit, for example. Um, you, different days you can be recited of it. In fact, different people can recite different portions if you like. Um, the key point is that it is recited. Um, it wouldn't be the same if somebody is to, for example, play it uh, on a um, on your computer or your laptop. Uh, one should be reciting it. Uh, and inshallah, that would then uh, prevent shaitan from being within your house. But no need to have an imam or anybody else come and recite uh, the Quran. There's no difference between their recitation and your recitation. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is best. Assalamu alaikum, Shaykh. Wa alaikum, Salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. When I'm praying my five daily salawat, uh, my mind always wanders. Uh, I start to think of many things. Uh, what can I do to concentrate? Okay. Um, yeah, so this is a very common question um, in terms of focusing within the salah. Again, particularly if we don't know the Arabic language, it can be difficult. Um, you know, it's, it's as if we're, you know, if we don't understand what we're saying, you know, what's the difference between Arabic, for example, and then a different language? So um, one of the things I always advise is every uh, salah that we pray, we recite Surah Fatiha. It's really important that we try and understand the, um, the meaning or the translation of Surah Fatiha because when we understand what we are saying, that helps us to attach our heart to it. So you will be able to then focus more because you understand what you're doing. So, uh, for example, if you just, and it's very brief, so the Tafsir Surah Fatiha, for example, if you look it up online, um, you don't have to go into to volumes of books, just to have an understanding in terms of the conversation that's happening. Because Surah Fatiha is a conversation between us and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When we say, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, all praise is due to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Lord of the worlds, Allah replies and says, Hamadani, Abdi, that my slave has praised me. And we say, Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim. Then Allah then replies again. So this is a conversation between us and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it's really important to understand what it is we're saying, why we're saying it, and that will help us to focus on the salah. So I always advise to look up the tafsir of Surah Fatiha and the tafsir of any of the short surahs that you normally recite. So for example, um, Surah Ikhlas, Qulhu Allahu Ahad. Why was it revealed? What does it mean when we say Allah is uh, Ahad? What does it mean when we say Allah is a Samad? Um, and then when we understand this, then when we recite it, then we will understand what we are reciting and that will really help to focus you in the Salah bi'idhnillah ta'ala. Uh, of course, this is an ongoing struggle. We know that the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu he said that there is a specific shaitan that is there that distracts us from our concentration when we are in the Salah. So imagine that shaitan himself knows that the salah is the rope between us and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he wants to prevent us from it as much as he can. And if he can't prevent us from it directly, then indirectly he will try and reduce our reward by having a specific shaitan for all of us that will try and distract us in the 
solar. And we know that our reward for the solar is proportional to our concentration in that particular solar. The Prophet Muhammad وسلم, he said in a hadith which is collected by Imam Abu Dawood uh, that a person will have a tenth of the reward of the solar. Another person will have a ninth, another person will have an eighth, another person will have and go down and so on, a half and a third and etc. So imagine you're um, in a masjid and you're in a row of people. Everybody's praying the same solar, but the people next to you may be having different rewards to yourself. Why? Because the reward of our solar is proportional to our concentration. The more you concentrate, the more you're able to focus, the more your heart is in that solar, the more reward you will be getting ta'ala. So it's just something to um, also be conscious of. Um, and um, the two factors that I, I always mention, tafsir of Surah Fatiha and tafsir of the uh, short surahs that you normally recite whilst you're praying, inshallah, that will be able to, to, to help. And that's, that's probably a good starting point. Um, the third point I will mention is it's uh, important to note that what we um, wear externally will have an impact on us internally. So what I mean by that is the, the, the salah, it doesn't just start when you say Allahu Akbar. The preparation for the salah is very important. So um, in terms of doing wudu, in terms of um, the place you're going to pray in, in terms of the clothes that you wear, preparing yourself to speak to your Lord, to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And again, once we have that in our lives, then inshallah, the next part in terms of the actual prayer in and of itself will then be easier, bithnillah ta'ala. Okay. Um, the next question we have here. Um, Assalamu alaikum. Uh, wa alaikum salatu uh, Can you please tell me if there are two different iddas for a khula? I know that a khula is one menstrual cycle and talaq three, but someone has said there's two, one type which your husband refuses to let you go and another where he gave consent of talaq after demand for khula. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a lengthy question, but essentially, according to the majority of scholars, according to the majority of scholars, the idda period for a khula would be three menstrual cycles, three complete menstrual cycles. That is according to the majority of scholars. There is a second view which mentions one menstrual cycle as you've uh, written in your message, um, but the majority of scholars would say it's three menstrual cycles um, and it has to be complete menstrual cycles, meaning if you had your khula or, uh, in, the, in the middle of a menstrual cycle, that menstrual cycle does not count. It needs to be three complete menstrual cycles. And just to clarify, um, for anyone that does not know what a khula is, a khula is when uh, the wife asks for a divorce and the husband agrees. So that's just in simple terms to summarize it because I believe we have another caller. Okay, we have a caller. Let's take that caller. Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum Yes, go ahead, um, your line. Sheikh, um, now I want to go on Umrah and sometimes I forget the um, Du'as in Arabic, and yes. sometimes I get my surahs mixed up, or forget them sometimes. Yes. So if I go and I can remember certain shorter surahs, hmm. uh, surah Fatiha, um, and the surah, but if I just recite just those, would they be accepted? Do you, do you mean, uh, at what point do you mean? Do you mean when you're doing tawaf or do you, do you mean... Yeah, where I do salah, where I do salah. Oh, okay, 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 fine. No problem, we'll answer, inshallah. Jazakallah khair. Okay. Yeah, so, um, good question. So the brother, inshallah, is going for, for umrah. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to facilitate your umrah, to make it easy for you, to accept it, and to, to call us all 
taste how soon so um, with regards to that so yes if you're praying and you only know Surah Fatiha and, and, and maybe a, a few short surahs then no issue with that inshallah um, you know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not take us to account for that which uh, we have no uh, or we are not capable of so um, we know the verse in the Quran Allah will not burden a soul with more than that of which they are capable of handling. So, um, yes, you can go and recite Surah Fatiha and any of the short surahs that you know, and inshallah that will be fine. Uh, okay. Um, we have another caller? Okay. Salaamu Alaikum. Wa Yes, go ahead. You're live. Yeah, I would like to ask, is it permissible to take out life insurance Islamically? To take out, sorry? Life insurance. Life insurance, okay. Mm -hmm. Okay, no problem, we'll answer inshallah. Jazakallah. Okay. Yes, so with regards to um, insurance, so insurance is problematic in Islam. Uh, why? Because there are a number of aspects in it um, that Islamically would be problematic. So uh, insurance in general uh, covers aspects of gambling, meaning that you are paying for some, towards something and you may or may not get that uh, something else in return. So it's effectively like gambling. You're putting money in something and you may or may not get anything back. Um, it also uh, comes under a form, a category of riba, a category of interest. Because again, you're paying money for something and you may get money back. And if you do, that money may be more. So you paid in X and you may be getting Y back. Um, so again, that's another aspect. So there are a number of aspects that are problematic with, um, with insurance. Yes, there are certain aspects that uh, un, uh, are a necessity. So for example, you can't drive here in the UK unless you have insurance. If you're, um, let's say you're working in the medical profession, you need a type of insurance, type of indemnity in order to be able to work, for example, in the NHS, it's, otherwise you can't. So there are certain things that are necessities because of the law of the land, um, which you have to in order to be able to work and so on. But um, other ones which are, uh, let's say, uh, optional, such as in this case, life insurance, then um, according to the overwhelming majority of scholars, it would not be something that would be uh, permissible. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Okay. Um, the next question we have here. Assalamu alaikum, Sheikh from the UAE. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Is kosher food halal? Yes. So um, in terms of um, kosher food, we know Allah mentions in Surah Ma'idah that the, the food of the people of the book, meaning those of the Jewish faith, for example, in this particular ex uh, case or question, uh, will be permissible for you. So, yes, kosher food would be permissible for you to eat. Um, there's no particular issue with regards to that. Um, inshallah, it would be fine, as mentioned in the Quran in Surah Ma'idah. Okay. The next question uh, we have here... Uh, is pension saving permissible in Islam? Yes. Uh, so with regards to pensions, so this is a, requires a bit more detail because it depends on the nature of the pension. So for example, um, what the, they're investing their money in, the nature of the company that they're investing it in. Are they investing it, for example, in something which would not be permissible? Let's say, um, I don't know, um, some type of um, alcohol company. Um, 
uh, or are they investing it in something that is permissible? So it depends on the nature of the pension in and of itself, um, in terms of uh, what exactly is the company that they're investing in. Um, and based on that, then you'd be able to know whether it would be permissible uh, or not. So a few things that you need to look into, um, but it's unfortunately it's not a blanket answer. It depends on the individual uh, particular pension that they are uh, offering you.